Welcome to Backwash. I am John from AdamRiff.com. And I am Adam, zombieologist on Twitter. And now, ladies and gentlemen, to honor the United States of America, please rise, remove your hats for the playing of our national anthem this evening by Flea. So that is Flea performing a solo bass rendition of the national anthem at uh, Kobe's final game. And uh, you you wanted to uh, uh, address it. I, I wanted to at least uh, talk about it because if no one's no one watched Kobe's final game and the uh, lead up to it, you didn't see this gem. Oh, it's it's. it's it, Twitter Twitter went down, right? Yeah, right as yeah. it as it was going. I don't um, think they were related, but it was inconvenient. That's for sure. Because I wanted to see I wanted to see what people's hot takes were on it, but I wasn't able to get that live. Um, I just, it's bad. <laughs> it's so bad. Early, earlier that day, I read that Flea was going to perform the national anthem in the style of Jimi Hendrix. Um. Not, not quite, but I, 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 I think if you're going to perform the national anthem, you can't do it with a bass instrument. You got to do it with a treble instrument. It's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a treble song, like, uh, or, or if you're gonna, if you're gonna, <laughs> if you're gonna play it, have like a modified bass, like you remember the. Uh, the the presidents of the United States of America, they had um, a git bass and a, a bass guitar. Yeah, they kind of had like the hybrid instruments. Yeah, I, I I don't think you could perform the national anthem just not solely with a bass instrument. It just doesn't sound right. Google the video if you have never seen it because Flea looks like he's pooping his pants while he's doing it. It's 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 bad and i do you think like kobe requested him or is it just more of a like a california connection and well, being, Flea, a, being uh, a fan of the lakers that's the guy you bring in there's no other musician i flee it he's performed an anthem before at lakers game he's a you know he's a diehard lakers fan and sure they had jack in the video so i mean who who else could you get la based i don't know it's too bad they weren't they, in Minnesota. They just wanted someone Lakers related. Sure, they should have just had Prince do it or something, though. I mean, I know that's like Minnesota based, but still. I mean, that's so. That's something we should talk about. Like, you know, God, why? Why are they a fan of us? Right. <laughs> of our options, we got to go with Flea because you know he's our 
highest profile musical fan. It's yeah, it's just unfortunate they didn't have anybody else. If but it was if it was if it was like you know, performing Shakespeare, like the national anthem was a monologue, your options Oh yeah, a lot better then. Yeah. You can get Leonardo DiCaprio, you can get Denzel Washington. But I guess it's not really how you hype up and start a, a basketball game, a career send off anyways. I was um watching WrestleMania as 33 year olds are want to do you're, you're just watching you weren't living and breathing it uh <laughs> and you know during wrestlemania my timeline i saw tweets about people saying i can't believe my timeline is full of people watching wrestling you know i can't believe everyone is watching wrestling you know kumail tweeted something about like oh why are all these people I follow watching wrestling? And then Michael Ian Black really hates wrestling. You know, he replied to Kumail and said something like, you know, Michael Ian Black just does not like, he, he loathes uh, wrestling fans. I think it was something like, why, why do these people, why are they so angry or so upset by their timelines discussing wrestling? You know, that people seem to have a problem with adults enjoying wrestling so so first i was of seeing all, the same things you were in my feed because we follow apparently so, a lot of this yeah people. so first of all wrestling is all up in your timeline because <laughs> wrestling fans are very tech savvy and it's sort of like a reciprocal thing where because wrestling fans a lot a large percentage of them are young like the wwe has to be on the sort of the cutting edge of technology right mm -hmm. so Young people are only watching stuff on YouTube, so we got to put our stuff on YouTube. Young people are cutting cord cutting, so our network has to be over the top. Uh, you know, young people are on social media, so all of our wrestlers have to be on social media. Even like the sixty-year-olds, yeah. yeah, even the Undertaker is on Instagram and Twitter. They move fast. They move with the yeah. flow. They go with the waves. Yeah. So maybe that's why you're seeing all this chatter. And also, I wonder if they these people. Who have a problem with wrestling feel left out like they have to comment on it because they don't get it or they don't like it but they want to be a part of what everyone else is enjoying i was noticing a lot of comedians were yeah. barking about it and i think they maybe were missing anything they had no jokes because they just don't they don't even know it on any level Right, so I right. think I think I I got the feeling, at least from a few people, that there's just like they have nothing to say. They don't know what to say about it. And they've got no jokes. They have no content for it. So it, they just kind of fall flat on their face. So they go that I, direction I, with it. It's it's kind of similar to how like during the Super Bowl you get sports ball and head egg jokes. Sure. Uh, for guilty. Who, yeah, from people who aren't interested in football. But I like football. But but still feel the need to comment on. The, the big event that is capturing um, there has to be a German term for this because it's the same that's like the, the kind of the same thing like there's yeah, got to yeah. be a term for this whatever it is because it exists and same with like when award shows are going on and what the Olympics or whatever big event <coughs> people chime in and then there's the guys who chime out do you see people snarking on award shows like look at you know look at all these dumbasses watching the oscars i do see, see that yes oh. not to the level that i just saw for Re wrestlemania or whatever right, right but i think maybe that's 
I get it. I've you know I understand the people who whose lives were so bad that they've never enjoyed wrestling at any point. I was um, listening to the Nerdist podcast, which has really fallen off. I can no longer listen to it. I, I heard that um, Chris Hardwick decided to cut back on episodes because, like in January, he only released like four episodes, and previously, you know, he was doing three episodes a week. He's more on our pace. <laughs> yes. I guess he's too busy doing At Midnight and talking. He's doing two Talking Deads now. Is there one for fear? Yeah. Oh. But I, but I was listening to Reggie Watts was on, and he brought up how uh, marijuana edibles, how, like, they'll sell you a cookie, but you're only supposed to take a bite of the cookie. Yeah. The or they'll sell the you a soda. Right. Yeah. And he was just talking about how the portion they should be portioned smaller, right? Like edible beverages should be like mini bar sized bottles. And like the cookies should just be like cookie crisp. And Super why tiny. why do they sell Yeah, and is is it just like an the American thing to do, like to sell you a large cookie? Like do we do we feel like we need to get value out of our, our, our edibles? Everything's supersized. Yeah, because of the size, right? Well, then we don't get the stories about people just eating like a full pack of cookies and then freaking the fuck out. If they're the size of cookie crisp, it's kind of strange just to buy like it's, it, little you tiny know, it's, mini it's cookies. Irresponsible. I was in Colorado right when they began like selling to everyone, right? Right when recreational the, went legal. Yes. Yeah. So I thought, okay, I got to see this. So I go to this place and I get. I wanted to get some weird, weirder things, but they just had like bonbons, and the bonbons are not very big, right? <laughs> and I guess I didn't read the serving size, and so I just popped the whole bonbon in my mouth. And and that was, wasn't the serving size; was one of them. It was so small; it's like a little candy, right? Yeah. And I was literally tripping for twenty-four hours. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> why not just you know make them like dinner mint size if if that's the appropriate serving size right i think there's something to be said about a little bit of a lack of education in that realm <laughs> that would be something the supporters against it would probably tout I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not picturing like an edible store where it's like you know it's like some some place like a child would play where all all the bottles are are small or super and, tiny <laughs> all the candies are are tiny and the cookies are like miniature, some like uh, midget little person kingdom, <laughs> little person convenience store. Because like r- right now, basically every edible store is like Costco, right? It's the Costco of marijuana. Okay, moving on. I've seen this a few times now. I live in Silicon Valley, in San Francisco Bay Area, and I see regular cars like Hondas with Tesla license plate frames on them. And um, I just wonder, like, why would you put a Tesla license plate frame on a, on a shitty car? <laughs> You're basically telling people I'm too poor to buy a Tesla. You, you dream of the tes- Tesla, but you can't afford it. Yeah. like This is as good as you can do is a shitty license plate frame. Or, or you know, I wonder, um, are they? Do they work at Tesla, right? But you know how, if you go to a gym, 
the trainers are all in shape because they want to sell the product, the, the, the gym. And if you worked at Tesla, wouldn't they want all their employees to drive Teslas and, and not, you know, a Honda Civic with the Tesla license plate frame on it? So, th- so they can't be employees, I think. They, in, they'd be driving something better. I don't know. I guess it depends on what you're doing there. But I mean, if you work at Apple, they don't want you using, you know, Nexus phones. Oh, no. Right. And so if you work at Tesla, why would you want your employees driving gas-powered cars? Well, it'd be one thing if this was maybe like an indicator that you ordered, uh, you pre-ordered a Model 3, like you get a license plate frame, and that's the only <laughs> way to obtain one. But we know that's not the case. It's it's just odd. Like, why would you put this frame on? You, you're just... Lipstick on a pig? Is... And speaking of license plate frames, when I, when I see, um, like... UCLA dad or U- <laughs> USC mom. Like you didn't fucking go there. It's your you kid. You didn't go there. And th- th- this is basically just like, you know, setting your money on fire, right? Just it's it's totally just to exploit you. These universities are exploiting you because you're uh, your offspring attend. It's an odd case of vanity that I don't I don't grasp or understand, I guess. I I saw a license plate frame the other day. Um, it says "former student, Texas A and M University," and I thought, "There's a word for former student. It's alumni." Alumni, yeah. Why are they? Why Did are they, they not? So, well, but would you only be an alumni if you gr- actually graduated that's, that's, that's the what program? I like, so maybe this person just attended Texas A and M for like a year and dropped out, but still wants the. That makes that license plate hilarious on a bunch of different levels in that case. Yeah. And then they're they're proudly displaying it on their car. Just it's one of those things, just just let that go. Just ignore it. Don't do it. Finally, um Draymond Green, Warriors player. I was um thinking about how you add a D to Raymond and you <laughs> completely change the pronunciation of of the name, right? Because now you're emphasizing the mond whereas with no one says raymond no but you put a d in front of it and it's it's that's a whole other name it's not no one says dreamond right no they don't they don't saw they don't it's not soft at the end it's a hard it's a hard pronunciation of the mond but i suppose like the name doesn't really exist right and if you make up a name you can make up the pronunciation but it forces you in it kind of forces you into that pronunciation of it yeah all right that's it for the shoot around the shoot around pew, 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 pew. i saw this tweet for an article on mtv.com a uh, person who has never seen star wars the force awakens reviews all of its digital extras and i feel like i see these articles a lot a person who has never seen star wars writes something about star wars I'm not crazy, am I? No, I've seen a few of these. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, do, do you think these articles are more or less trash than uh, articles in which someone texts people on a dating app with film or television dialogue or song lyrics and then posts the conversations for people to uh, quote-unquote enjoy. 
So which is worse, basically? Yeah. Uh, I'd actually probably say the Star Wars one is probably worse. To me, it's like someone who tells you, well, I don't own a TV as a brag or as something that you're supposed to like respect or give a shit about in any fashion, which I think is really dumb, at least with the texting of lyrics or uh, like TV dialogue or whatever to do, you know, make a conversation out of it. I suppose there might be some hilarious response that might generate an interesting something. It's still bad, but... Yeah, I saw this comment. I betrayed the trust of strangers for your clicks, and this is what happened. But it's kind of... Uh, you know, they do this on radio where someone uses a soundboard and calls someone and just, like, play uh, soundboard clips. Yeah, like the Arnold soundboard. Like the Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger um, soundboard. And I guess this is the natural evolution of, of that bit is have them watch something that they've yeah. they have zero connection to yeah i'm surprised that okay go hasn't done this this texting thing with their own lyrics as like a video idea to to get a response from something and create a yeah video just from like that. Our, our video would just be us texting the lyrics to our new song to people on a on a dating dating app these are all low-hanging fruit when it comes to writing another uh Either or, um, your y o u r versus your y o u apostrophe r e. Um, <laughs> I don't understand why it's so difficult for people to differentiate between the two. Like one is clearly you are, and one is not. Well, I mean, minus an entire letter. It, yeah, the correct one presents itself to you and i mean i can forgive not using apostrophes when you text, you know, text because you have to go to the second keyboard to get the apostrophe it's not there but the letter e is right next to the letter r on the keyboard <laughs> you know it's not that hard to put the e after y-o-u-r if you're talking about you are um, I think you may and, be rounding up the intelligence of a good portion of the population, though. And I just wonder, like, do you think... Straight up don't know. Do you think humans have evolved to just not be able to differentiate between the two? Like, this is just the next step in, in our evolution, just being unable to process the difference between your and you are. I, I think that's very much the case. I think people are just straight up that stupid. I think there are seriously people out there who just don't understand there's a def there's a, like a difference Pe between people those. have trouble with apostrophes like guns and roses. Why is there only one apostrophe after the N in end? Right. Apostrophe is supposed to replace letters, but you're also replacing the A in and and there should be apostrophe before the N and apostrophe after the N. So, uh, so right now they're just like if you were to spell out guns and roses properly, it would be you know, guns, and then the, the, the second letter would be N-D, and then the roses. You, you know, the middle letter would just be not a word. It'd be, it'd be negated. And then people have trouble with N-sync, too. They would put the apostrophe between the N and the S when it's, it's supposed to be in sync, and the apostrophe is supposed to be replacing the I, which would be in the front. Well, on the same vein, you know what drives me the most insane, which is I feel, and I'm not sure where this comes from, is when people spell out like amounts of money and they put the dollar sign 
after the amount as if that's where you <laughs> read dollars or something. I don't know what the fuck they're doing. Well, that works if you're talking about cents. It doesn't work if but you're talking about... There, there's a position for the symbols here, and yeah. everywhere you see a price written out on a tag or whatever, if it does have the dollar sign, it's conceivably in the right spot. It's going to be ahead of it where it should be. I don't know where people have gotten off track here, and they'll put 100 and then the dollar sign. Yeah. They're not spelling out Kesha here. You could just put it wherever the fuck you want. Like where where did this come from? And it seems like a very new change. And I don't know why yeah. people are doing what, this. What what are our public school teachers teaching? And some of these people are people my age, so yeah. I've clearly understood the rule here for this. It just it just looks really bad and it makes you seem really dumb. So we did um Star Wars versus fake texting. Uh, your versus your, you are, and uh, Jews versus Nazis. I saw this article about a high school drinking game called Jews versus Nazis. I'm going to read some of it. Um, the game is also referred to as Holocaust Pong or Alcoholocaust. Okay. Uh, which is actually a phenomenal <laughs> name. It's uh, three on three, 30 cups per team. Beer Pong, right? The Nazis shaped their 30 cups into a swastika, and the Jews set up their 30 cups as a Star of David. The cups are re-racked to a smaller swastika and smaller Star of David when 18 cups remain on either team. The Nazis start the game off with Blitzkrieg, uh, and each player on the Nazis shoots until they miss, and this is only allowed for the first volley. The Jews have the Anne Frank cup, and this ability allows them to pick any one of their cups and hide it anywhere in the room, but it has to be shootable, obviously. Jews can only do, uh, do that once per game and can be used only during their turn to equalize this slight advantage. Well, the Nazis start off with a blitzkrieg. Yeah, they just get to fire away, but they have, but un, I mean, they fire away until they miss. They could literally miss the first shot That's and should be done. So to, to equalize the Anne Frank cup, the Nazis also have another ability called Auschwitz or concentration camp if you're dumb um, with this ability the Nazis can pick any player on the Jews team and they have to sit out of the game until the other two players on the Jews team each make a cup after that happens the third person on the Jews team can play again also throughout the game you're supposed to talk a lot of shit and say as many racist things as possible to make it more enjoyable this seems awfully complicated for, for beer pong I think it's just the next level up to me, but okay. are you offended by this? No, it just seems like, you know, I remember playing, you know, Egyptian War, which is a variation on the card game War. And one summer, my friends and I we were really bored at summer school and we made up like uh, variations of war for you know, 20 nationalities. So there was like Japanese war and <laughs> Croatian war. The variations <laughs> on the game were based on things that happen in culture. No, no, we, no, we just make up like rules Okay. for make up rules, make up different variations of this, this, this card game. And so, you know, if we can do that, you can change up beer pong to Jews versus Nazis. Have you ever played with shapes other than a triangle? I think we've played in like plus signs before, you know. I think we've changed it up a little bit. So. I, I just feel like the, the Nazis have a significant advantage because 
a Star of David is a lot more compact than a, than a swastika. Uh, yeah, if you were to draw them out. But I think the Anne Frank cup really adds a whole new level. Because if you could stick that somewhere that's, I mean, shootable, that's pretty loose. I mean, if they that's the only cup they have left, that kind of puts them in a pretty big predicament if you hide it well. If you stick it somewhere that's really hard to hit. That's true. Sure, they might have a better advantage because the concentration of cups in the shape of the Star of David yeah, I mean, is easier to hit. It seems like by the rules, they feel like the Anne Frank Cup is very powerful. It, that's yeah. why that's why the Nazis get to start up shooting as many balls as they want. Sure, right off the bat. Yeah. One of my, my favorite tropes in uh, enter- entertainment is black and white and sort of messing with the dynamic. So like, there, it started with this book I found in elementary school called Black Like Me. Some uh, white dude in the 50s or 60s, he found a way to turn his skin black. And he decided to like write about how, what it was like being a, a black person in the 50s and 60s. And you, see, you look at the photos and it looks off. It looks like a, you know, it looks like he's just wearing blackface. But is it very you know, Damon since, Wayne's w- w- white girls? Yeah. So opposite since. Yeah. This is uh, an uncanny valley thing going on. And so since then, I've been fascinated by this sort of dynamic. You know, you have Soul Man, mm-hmm. the, the Thomas L film where he takes what he takes tanning pills so he can apply for a black scholarship at Harvard. How did this film get made? Um, it was a different time. And, that wasn't really yeah. that long ago, but still. Yeah, you have White Man's Burden, the Travolta film, about a world where white people are the minority and black people are the majority. You had that Ice Cube produced series, Black White on FX, uh, where like a white family was made up to look black and the black family was made up to look white and so they could experience each other's experiences. Did you ever watch it? No. And then, you have, of course, you have white, white chicks, right? I read a book in college called Black Empire about um, oh, what is it? I'm gonna I'm gonna read the 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 uh, Amazon synopsis. So this black genius was gonna create dissension between the Europe and the U.S. so that in the ensuing chaos, black people reclaim Africa for blacks, and it becomes like this like um, black empire, if you will. And so you know, I just love stories like this. And I was thinking, like, what what is left to do? <laughs> and it comes down to you either do like a, a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing where like a black scientist creates a potion that he, when he drinks it, he becomes white. But just for like a small period of time. So it could be in yeah, a situation yeah. where it changes or, back. Or, or you do like a werewolf situation where it's it's got to be where a white person becomes black when the sun sets right so you think any of this stuff could actually be made now though i you know i wonder because there's a lot of things that i'm not sure anybody would throw any money at i I, I just like these you know sort of sci-fi twilight zone ish uh, scenarios you know speaking of which marvel's had mixed success with television shows why don't they do a what if you know a what if series if it, you know it, how, it was a comic book, for those who don't know, the What yeah, If series. Uh, and each issue of the What If comics plays out a, a scenario. Like, um, 
what if Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four? Mm-hmm. Of course, they got increasingly weirder. I've got a what if. I think Wolverine married, I don't even know, something ridiculous. <laughs> Let's see. What, what if Iron Man lost the Civil War? <laughs> oh, wait, this is about the Civil War, not yeah. the Civil War. It's about the okay. actual Civil yeah. War, not the current um, Civil War movie we're going to see. Let me let me find something a little weird. <laughs> This should, this should be easier than it is. There's some weird ones. Oh, I think I found the one that I've got. Go ahead. Oh yeah, it was a it was a what if X Men like wedding album. Why do I own this? It's hideous. It's what if somebody uh, everyone married somebody different basically, and how, what how if it Conan, shook it up. What if Conan the Barbarian was stranded in the 20th century? Anyway, why don't they make this series? It would. Or, it has unlimited potential because they can just shake things up. And plus they can present characters that either you never see or you could never make them do in like a cinematic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, cinematic you universe. know how the, the, the MCU is so calculated. Um, this could so be cal- way looser, much yeah. more loose. And, it, you know, if not a TV show, because a lot of these characters are, they're, ne- they're never going to get the actors to, to, to participate. Or maybe they could, you know, if it's like an anthology, it's like 10 episodes and you just have to show up for one. Why not? You know how Star Wars is doing the, these Star Wars stories have uh, these spin-off films in between movies. Yeah, that have that have nothing to do with the the the, the main storyline. It it'd be a hard draw if you couldn't get any of the big characters, but it's it's such a good way to use some of these characters that nobody's familiar with, but then again nobody would really be tuning in to super dorks who who know them. It's a good idea. I don't know. Though. I, You're I think Marvel has built enough goodwill that people will tune in. Yeah, it's a free idea for Marvel. What What if Wolverine was Lord of Vampires? That was one of them. Really? And he's just biting the neck of like Jean Grey, <laughs> like a vampire, and it's pretty. It's a pretty awful cover. Maybe this would have to be like an animated series. There's a lot of married ones. There's another one too, of like Wolverine married somebody else. What What was with that? <laughs> All right, it's time for. Slitting lists, list cutters. I tried to think of words that rhymed <laughs> with list, and it's like pissed, missed. Sli- we're just slitting lists. Slitting lists where we dissect pop culture lists. I have two for this episode. First, uh, Stephen Hyden, a music journalist, tweeted uh, some comparisons. Uh, between bands, emo comparisons. So I'm going to go through this a little. Uh, Sunny Day Real Estate equals emo Beatles. At the Drive-In equals emo Zeppelin. Jawbreaker equals emo Who. Promise Ring equals emo Kinks. Weezer equals emo Kiss. Panic at the Disco equals emo Doors. And I wish I was more up on my classic rock to... uh, comment but what do you i mean looking at the list what do i think yeah i'm trying my my chemical romance emo queen okay dashboard emo james taylor sure Sure, yeah fallout boy emo motley crew well (laughs) death cab emo u2 coheed and cambria emo yes emo but then someone later pointed out um coheed should be emo rush which uh well, and yes, and Rush are slightly interchangeable, but I think either or would work for them. Then you go Rights of Spring, emo Robert Johnson, 
There is no emo Rolling Stones. There is no emo Grateful Dead, unless Fugazi counts. But some commenters, wouldn't Mars Volta be emo Grateful Dead? Um, okay. Um, and then, yeah, so that was his list. Just looking at it, I think Weezer is not emo Kiss. That emo one seems Kiss, off to me. Emo Kiss is either Panic at the Disco or Fall Out Boy. I think Weezer might be emo Beatles. Just, you know, simple pop songs. Well, uh, the length of... Here's the thing. Is it, some of these I'm having a hard time drawing a parallel to. I'm trying to, I'm trying to be on the same page of his thinking on what he's comparing them to. And, and Weezer based on the continuation on how often... We talk about Weezer way too fucking much. How much they've released, I, I would say that doesn't make a whole lot of sense in the Beatles world. Well, yeah. <laughs> Beatles got weirder with, with age, so... That's that you know. That's who you're looking for. See what this list is missing is somebody that bands that guy rounded into like emo and pop punk, and there's got to be a correlation between some of those. Like I would say, even maybe I don't know. So so let me let me read some of the the, the replies to uh, Mr. Hyden's list. Uh, Gaslight Anthem is emo replacements. Taking Back Sunday is emo Rolling Stones. Brand new is emo Zeppelin. Okay, I was gonna say, where's brand new here? Uh, Jimmy Eat World is the rightful emo U2, which would make Death Cab emo REM. That actually fixes that probably. I think that yeah. that sounds better. AFI is emo Cure. Appleseed Cast is emo Pink Floyd. Get Up Kids emo Cheap Trick. Rye Coalition emo ACDC. Yeah, now I I think you would go with somebody more poppy for your acdc parallel maybe maybe uh, I, I would say that'd be like afi um connor oberst uh emo dylan this that actually works out because what was his band's name <laughs> i can't bright eyes bright eyes released the um electronic album you know he, he went electric sure electronic oh i always called fallout boy emo bon jovi texas is the reason emo monkeys uh, uh and then circus survive is emo yes Okay, so yeah, if you do Circuit Survive, Emo Yes, then you make Coheed. Emo Rush. Rush. Okay. Was Dashboard on there at all? Yeah, Dashboard is Emo James Taylor. Oh, okay. Yep, there we go. I'm not sure about At the Drive-In is Emo Zeppelin. No, that one, I'm, I'm having a hard time with someone else that you could replace with that, though. I, I just, you know, again, I just wish it was more up on my <laughs> classic rock. We should do, you know, I, I could do like Weezer is emo puff daddy right if we just <laughs> we did rappers and then also like groups too because yeah yeah you've got rappers and their equivalent groups so then you could you could take leaders of and break them out into singles yeah. as well that would actually be pretty good and um our second list is cory barker who hates game of thrones uh Ranked every original FX series, not in, not not including FX's first original series, which uh, was like Breakfast Time. They did a lot of like uh, news, just cheapo programming when they first launched. So the, and they had like a morning show out of an apartment, a random apartment in uh, uh, Manhattan, hosted by Tom Bergeron, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so. Uh, 41, Son of the Beach, 40, Testies, 39, Starved, 38, Lucky. I don't even, I don't even remember Testies. I, yeah, I saw one episode. I did watch was, Starved. 
it was it was by um testes was by kenny from kenny versus spenny in canada son of the beach was produced by howard stern it was a baywatch parody i think son of the beach is hard to to rank because fx was still trying to find its brand yeah and it was way different than yeah and I, i feel like son of the beach would fit in on Adult Swim with its more farcical live action shows like Children's Hospital or NTSD. Yeah, it's more on that level. Yeah. A testy. Star, Star, Starved is interesting because Starved premiered at the same time as It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It ran right it's, after, didn't it? Yeah. No, it ran before. Or was it before? Okay. Yeah. And Starved got all the press. And It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia was the one that ended up lasting. Um, and then uh, Lucky was just a misfire. I don't even remember Lucky. It, it was starred John Corbett. Oh, okay. Uh, it was like a casino show. Hey, Starved had Sterling K. Brown though. Yeah. Redemption on FX. Well, uh, I'm not. I'm. You know, I won't dispute any. These are just the. You know, you got. You gotta put the forgettable ones at the bottom, right? Sure. Uh, Thirty-seven St. George, thirty-six Partners, thirty-five Anger Management. These were FX's uh, live-action cash-ins, I guess. Sure. The Anger Management ran for a hundred episodes. Uh, it was quite the scheduling, and these are very TV land shows where they just round up actors who no one wants to hire but used to be famous, and and they just go at it and film a lot. I mean, with Saint George, man, George Lopez has got to rival Tony Danza, and or like Bob Newhart in the amount of shows that just have his name in it, like the George Lopez Show, Saint <laughs> George Lopez Tonight. And he's got a new one that's just Lopez, I think. He's running out of terms that he can call. Whatever his middle name is might yeah. get thrown in there at some point. Uh, he's, he's incapable of playing someone who's not named George Lopez. Just like Tony Danza is always Tony. Yeah. Uh, and number 34, The Bastard Executioner, which I might rank lower if possible. I watched it all. Uh, this was uh, Kurt Sutter's follow-up to Sons of Anarchy, and it was... Atrocious. It wasn't atrocious. It was just very, I thought it had some good fights. It was just very indulgent. Episodes were way too long. And hilariously, you discover in the final episode that, I think I brought it up, yes. the bastard executioner is a descendant of Jesus Christ. Sutter. So, yeah. <laughs> number 33, chosen. Number 32, unsupervised. For some reason, FX has never been able to capitalize on the success of Archer and launch another animated series. Certainly tried, but... Yeah, and they um, all their animated series are produced by the animation uh, studio that does Archer, and they they all look good. Unsupervised is good animation. Yeah. Chosen was good animation, and you know I I was amused. I was intermittently amused by both shows. They just uh, didn't work out, and uh, FX actually tabled a fourth animated series, a, t- well, a fourth attempt. That they were developing with the Archer Studio, and you know it's just it's just too bad because they're very they're a good animation studio. Uh, good animation doesn't always mean good show. <clears throat> thirty one dirt, thirty over there. I, over there was supposed to be just the next uh, notch in the belt after a string of successes, if I remember correctly. After Shield, Nip Tuck, Rescue Me, and over there just. I mean, I was I was stoked for it, but it just didn't it just didn't uh, fly. Everything just, I saw leading up to it made it look really good, yeah. and then and I it made, it, made it, it did a terrible uh, theme song, <laughs> sung by I think the creator. I, I'm not sure. And then Dirt, um, 
you started seems like a show that you would watch i did i watched like the first season and maybe a couple into the second season and i i smartly exited i i remember dirt uh, publicized an episode featuring dirt star uh courtney cox and it publicized an episode guest starring jennifer aniston like the friends reunion I feel like sitcom stars of popular shows in the 90s are doomed to just keep appearing on each other's shows forever. Like David Schwimmer shows up on episodes of <laughs> Matt LeBlanc. And I think Jennifer Anderson also showed up on Cougar Town. Yes. And forever connected. Forever connected. Like um, I think uh, Patricia Richardson who played Tim Allen's wife. Uh, like home, uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas shows up on Last Man Standing, the Tim Allen show. And I, I was looking at the IMDb page for Charles Shaughnessy, who played the dad on The Nanny. <laughs> for some reason, I was looking at it the other day. And he's appeared on every one of Fran Drescher's subsequent projects. Like, they're they are just like... They're tied, uh, tied at the yeah, hip. They're, you know, they're destined to do this forever. <laughs> just appear on each other's... Uh, well, appear on her shows, because no one's casting him. Neither were good. Number 29, The Comedians, and number 28, Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll. Well, one stars Josh Gad, who everyone seems to hate. He, he cannot he cannot catch a break. with. Yeah, and, and one stars... Uh, so the thing with Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll is the thing with vinyl in that why are you making a show about rock and roll in an era where all people care about is hip-hop music, right? You, see, you look at Power, you look at Empire... That's where audiences are skewing. And meanwhile, you know, baby boomer, white Hollywood. Those are not the people watching TV. Not if you're catering directly like that. It's just like, but Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll has an audience. So someone is watching that show. It was renewed for a second season. Have you have you watched it? No, I just feel like rock is not viable as entertainment in 2016. In defense of vinyl, the only reason I'm watching it is because... I like to see how they skew history and how what they integrate into it that is true and then whatever they take their liberties. That's the only thing that is keeping me interested in it at all. Ray Romano is on that show, right? Yes. And he surprisingly get, doesn't drive me insane. He's not. They got they got to get Brad Garrett so they could reunite, you know. Everybody loves Everybody uh, loves Raymond. Everybody loves Raymond, right? Everybody loves Draymond Green. How how come they haven't done that that's, as like a that's Nike actually commercial? a bit like Draymond appears on local radio and then they introduce him like everybody loves Draymond. Uh, you know they use clips from the show uh, to introduce his like interview segment. Okay. <laughs> Number twenty seven, legit. I watched the first season. It's fine. It's yeah. It's TV. It Le- wasn't the worst. Le- it wasn't legit. The best. Is very much like a Showtime sitcom or like HBO togetherness or enlightened. The people who who like it really like it, and otherwise no one else is watching, right? Yeah. Number twenty six, Tyrant, and number twenty five, The Strain. The Strain is way too high on this list, and Tyrant just keeps going. I mean, it has an audience. So FX actually had the opportunity to produce The Walking Dead, and they passed on it. And then when The Walking Dead blew up, Walking Dead is the most popular show on television. 18 to 49. Maybe it may even be the most popular show on television, you know, period. Because there's a lot of people out there who don't know how to spell your and your correctly. Right. Yeah. These are the watchers. Uh, and, you know, FX maybe had a little non buyer's remorse. So they said, let's, the strain let's, was. We're gonna the do next- strain. We're gonna, they're going to do vampires. They're going to do zombies. We're going to do vampires. The strain is just 
It's very flaccid. It's certainly with lots of holes punched in it plot-wise because I've seen it just being destructively taken down in reviews before. Why it, it just makes no sense. It, it's like a waste of, of you know, a cast. I mean, it's not like they, they don't have good cast. They don't have good actors on the show. It's just, meh, you know. Number 24, Thief. Number 23, Lights Out. And number 22, The Riches. This was kind of um, FX's growing pains period when they were trying to find another drama hit. And in defense of The Riches, had it premiered at a different time period, if it would have de- debuted later than it did, it would still it would have ran on the for a while, I think, because I thought The Riches was good. And then th- people forget Thief, and I feel I, again, I feel like Thief uh, would have been more viable now. I I watched all of it. It was only like six episodes and Andre Brower. Uh, what I remember about Thief is that Linda Hamilton was terrific on it. And it was like a treat that Linda Hamilton was doing television. Yeah, um, it was good. I watched it too. It was uh, good. Number 21, The Bridge and number 20, Married. Uh, that's I about think, right. They're just kind of like in the middle. Um, I, I don't know. Married might be a little high up there. I enjoyed The Bridge. There were good performances in The Bridge. It kind of lost its shit, and I didn't really start. You know, I stopped caring about the actual story. It tried. It had moments, and it it wasn't terribly bad. And the, the, the bridge is like a fascinating case of a better than average show, but it's not uh, sensational enough mm-hmm. to attract an audience. Right. Number nineteen, man seeking woman. Number eighteen, baskets, which I think is too low. And number seventeen, Wolfred, which I think is too high. Yes. Yeah, I, I've I've spoken about Man Seeking Woman in that it could stand to be shorter. Like a lot of it feels like sketches drawn out. I think Baskets is great. Great, yes. And then Wilfred, um, uneven. Yeah, Wilfred could be good, and then Wilfred could be bad. Wilfred's legacy will be uh, reviving, re- re- reviving perhaps too strong, uh, invigorating Chris Klein's career. Sure. Yeah. I saw him recently on some other show as I was on the grinder as Rob Lowe's friend. That's what Chris Klein is destined to play, you know. Someone's friend. He's always a friend of. I'm surprised like the Marvel universe hasn't seized on Chris Klein to do something. I still think there I think there may be too much attached to him, just baggage of of previous projects that it's easier to just pull. Oh, no one remembers Rollerball or um, whatever else he did. I don't even remember what Chris Clinton, American Pie, Rollerball. That's it, right? Yeah. Okay. Number 16, Rescue Me, and number 15, Sons of Anarchy. These are controversial, controversial placement. But Rescue Me was, I think, I thought the, the pilot is fantastic and that the first two seasons were pretty good. Uh, I've only ever seen the pilot and then beyond oh. that, I've never seen any. Yeah, I think the first, the, the first two seasons are pretty good. And then. Well, the problem is they wrote out people that didn't get along with Dennis Leary. <laughs> Which is a, a, probably a laundry list of people. Yeah, and so it gets a little wonky when that that's how you write off people, when you know you don't get along. That's like the worst way to write out someone. And then with Sons of Anarchy, you know, you were, you were really uh, enthusiastic about the show. In its earlier incarnation, yes, like when it first started... I certainly was a defendant of it. I enjoyed it quite a bit, actually. I actually looked forward to it week to week, which... And then, and then what, what happened? Shit. It just it got off. It just went so far off the rails. I mean, I literally laughed at the end of it, and I think I turned it... I, as soon as the first credit 
name scrolled up the screen. I already had the TV off. I mean, I was, I was so beyond done after that finale. It was just ridiculous. I had to see it through, though. I was too invested. What do you think is the overlap um, of fans of Sons of Anarchy and fans of The Walking Dead? It's it's, it's got to be like deep, if this is a Venn diagram, it's pretty much a, a solid it's, circle. I, it's got to be a high percentage. Because if you could put up with the shit that went on in the Sons of Anarchy, you're the type of person that puts up with what The Walking Dead does currently. And honestly, I think there were moments later on. I mean, there were moments in um, just do, do, about do you every think, Do you think Sons of Anarchy would have been better if they killed off Clay earlier? No, but it did feel like by the time they got to that point, they were ho- they were holding on to him so long, and it just felt it felt dumb. Like it was okay. just like, all right, you finally got rid of him inevitably you held on too long but i don't know what the show would have done without him sooner right. so i it, it was a sticky situation i'm not paid to figure that out though they should they could have come up with something kurt sutter lost his mind i don't our number 14 the league too high way too high way um, too high i mean how's I, that ahead of baskets even one season in baskets got more legs than this shit but um the league is the league is fascinating to me in that the cast is insane. I was surprised they got Mark Duplass to do the show and Nick Kroll and Paul Shear, right? I think Duplass has lost a little bit on more, most people, not being familiar well, with like, at his the time, work. At the time, he was still doing like little mumblecore movies, yeah. right? And, and then he does this show, right, which is broad comedy. If you look at the overall scope of the other things he's done, this is the outlier in it for sure. Well, he's done. He's done some... He did like the Lazarus. What was it? Lazarus. It was some like shitty horror film. I mean, yeah, but that's more in line than this type of right, right show. And as the league went on, I almost felt sorry for the actors. Like it seemed like they didn't want to be there. Right, right. It was like they were just phoning it in, getting a paycheck. I Nick Kroll started doing Kroll show. Yeah. Uh, during the later seasons of the league, and, and then he, he would not show up, he would not in. appear in certain episodes of the league. And I, I wonder if he negotiated a contract where I only have to do. We're we're on our show right now as much as Nick Kroll was on yeah, the yeah. league as via Skype. Yeah. Like he was and, there only by obligation and contract. And even then, like I it was probably like the fourth season, they might they might, you know Mark Duplass is like I'm on Togetherness. I'm doing. I have all these HBO deals. He, Why am I? You know, and so I wonder, like, they could have, the, the actors could have just stopped, but they kept going for seven seasons. And so you must have paid well. It must have been easy. Well, I mean, then we know what happens with Stephen Razanazi or whatever. Razanazi. Whatever it is. 13 Nip Tuck, number 12, American Horror Story. I would, uh, I would not flip, I would flip them. Definitely. So, uh, let me address the American Horror Story first. Um, I, a lot of people bag on American Horror Story, and you know they are writing on the fly, and they wonder why don't they why don't they write all the episodes in advance so they know where they know, know where they're going? Because American Horror Story can attract high profile talent, and they should not be just writing these seasons on the fly because you notice it devolving <laughs> as the episodes go on. Like it starts strong. And yeah, they, they always start strong. You know, the premise is good, and then it just starts getting saggy. And um, so I just I just wonder why they don't plot everything out in advance. 
It's I, I never made it through more than a couple of the first seasons of. And the, the thing, but the thing with American Horror Story is there's always like I think you know I think the production value is good. I think you know the performances are good. There's always something to talk about on the show. So it's never it's never boring. It's just unfocused. And, Which uh, is a simple solution to that is just plan the stuff out. Yeah, it's just unfocused and and aimless. Just, but just get you know, there at the beginning and flush it yeah. out. Maybe as you go a little bit. But I, I keep watching because they pepper in enough uh, crazy shit that it's interesting enough. And Nip Tuck, people forget how we we both feel the same way about. We've had a Nip Tuck discussion before. Yeah. We so feel the same. People forget way about what it. a phenomenon Nip Tuck was. And like I remember. We didn't text, but maybe it was AIM <laughs> after the season two finale where they, they didn't reveal who the Carver was and the Carver attacked, um, I forget his name, Julian McMahon. Yeah. That was like. That was good. Te- there was. Yeah, that, it that was, was fun. That was like mind blowing. And at the same time, it, you know, in retrospect, maybe they shouldn't have dragged out the Carver for um, another season. Right. That, that was probably the downfall. Like, oh, God. What are we going to do now? Let's bring in another cast member who's obviously going to be the Carver. That doesn't define the show. I don't think the Carver situation defines Nip Tuck entirely. It was fun. And so I, I, I feel like Nip Tuck and American Horror Story are kind of kindred spirits in that even when they weren't fun, they were interesting. Like they would always, to quote Degrassi, they would go somewhere. They would go there. Well, and would you... And you, Nip Tuck was very weird too. In that Julia, the actress who played Julia, just left the show and then came back. Uh, and they just kind of worked around it. And yeah. But, they, I mean, this was the ascent of Ryan Murphy. And just you could tell by, uh, you know, he had a, it, it, it was evident this early on that he had a knack for uh, stunt casting. Sure. I and, remember seeing, like, Rosie O'Donnell. Uh-huh. And I don't know who else showed up. Mario Lopez. And and you would agree that had it aired maybe a little bit later on, it would have had a, a different following, a, twi- oh, yeah. a Twitterish following, or or something oh, yeah. that no, was. No, no, no. Nip Tuck would be very popular now. Yes. Okay. Number eleven, Archer, also too high. Very. Uh, very so, much agree. you're you're uh, well. <sighs> Archer reminds me of Weeds in that it abandoned its original premise, and every season was just different. And it just got like, I don't know. I kept watching, but I'm, I wasn't sure. I wasn't, it wasn't that enjoyable. You know, I, it was diminishing returns every season. Ar- Archer is the one show that people are like, oh, you watch a lot of TV. What do you think of the season of Archer? What do you, you it's always like, Archer. And I just go, I don't fucking watch it. I don't think it's good at all. I've tried the, to start it I think, so I think many the voice times. cast is so good. The problem is like. Oh, everybody not, involved is good. The, it's just not funny. No, I don't <laughs> I mean, find it humorous at all. Right. I wonder if that's symptomatic of Adam Reed writing every episode. Like, I wonder if a Archer, var- Archer could stand to have some outside writers come in. Because Adam Reed's, like, writing every episode, and maybe he's just, like, out of material, right? Maybe he's just gassed. I don't know. It's always been a cold start for me. I can't tell you how many times I've watched the first season, the majority of first season, just to start it. And say, okay, I'm just gonna sit down, focus on it. I, I, can, I can just get over this hump, and then I'm gonna be an Archer fan. I can't well, do it. Well, the first, se- the, you know, the first few seasons had like witty writing, and you know, this season I'm watching, and 
if that's their strongest, it still must, yeah, must it's just be like, atrocious. He's just, he's just not coming up with good stuff anymore. And I feel like you have this this talented cast. Why don't you get some other writers to help you out? And and now they're in this Aqua Teen phase where they just change the situation. I mean, it's not and, even and, remotely yeah, the same show. Again, that's what Weeds did. You know, Weeds, <laughs> every season after they left Agrestic. Oh, once they left Agrestic, the show was... Right, 10 damages. I never saw this. Um, Neither did I. It reminds me of... I'm freely associating it with House of Cards. And how it plays. Yeah. Because this is... Well, and these are the same guys that all did uh, Bloodline, right? Yes. And to my knowledge, it kind of operated the same way. Loose uh, vignettes that... Some stuff was before. Some, some stuff was... You know, pre and post, depending on how the story was going. Yeah, damages might be another show that would have played better today than it did then, and it got extra legs because they they pushed it to what Direct TV, like Friday Night Lights, right? Number nine, you're the worst. I think this is too high. I know you you like you're the worst. Um, I, I'm gonna be honest. I would certainly rearrange a good portion of this list, but I like how he has it sectioned off. I feel like this is a fair placement. It might be it might be a little high, but I do love you're the worst. I would put it in the twenties. Um, it's just it's hit or miss for me. Like better than legit, <laughs> maybe along maybe equal to Wilfred for me. When you compare it to its other shows that are in the same line, like would you say New Girl? I mean, I know it's Network. I, New Girl entertains me more than You're the Worst. Does it really? Yes. New, like I, New Girl I, I, used to entertain me to the same degree that you're you're the worst. The, does the, now. the thing what New Girl has is New Girl has character. New Girl is like characters or performers that I enjoy more than the people on You're the Worst. And I see like, I, like I think I think Jake Johnson and Max Greenfield are significantly more entertaining than like Chris Gear and uh, um, Ia Cash personally. I do like how the the cast of You're the Worst is getting fleshed out in a little bit more time. The other the others right. are. They're working on that, and that is helping immensely. I remember it's always sunny in Philadelphia. You are more down on this show than I am. It's it's definitely showing its age, but I find stuff to enjoy every season. I think like you know every season there are a few episodes that that I think are genuine genuinely good, and they they unlike Archer have been able to sort of restock the right the, you know the writing staff, and it's like it's interesting in that um, I just have a few thoughts. One, the guy who plays Dennis, Glenn Howerton, he's like a like a Juilliard trained actor, and he doesn't do anything but this show, which is ten episodes a year, and the rest of the year he's just he's not doing anything. And then two, it's going to run fourteen at least fourteen seasons, which makes it the longest running live action comedy of all time, which is like uh, very surprising to me. It, it's shocking. All right, in yeah. my defense, I'm hard on the show. Because I was such a fan at the beginning. Right. And it just, obviously, like, go and watch the first season and it's nothing like the second season. The characters are completely different. They're totally different people. And and I was still a fan into probably six seasons in. It just feels, and and I agree, there are are good episodes. There's been good episodes every season. There always is one. There's always good stuff. The Simpsons batting rate. Uh, there, there you go. And I just, um, I feel like, especially now that they've tilted towards just ten, I should be liking more of that ten than I end up liking. I do appreciate that the characters are evolving. 
Oh, <laughs> and every season is somebody, especially like uh, Glenn Howerton. This Dennis this season was was absolutely like the focal psycho, and right. you know, and then you know Mac gets fat for one season, and that's the thing, and. They and they're 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 they have the ability to to focus and Charlie is is a season's worth of right right whatever they that's amazing that the show has at least they have the run in them that they're able to focus on almost a character a season and just make them even if they're in the background there's fat fat Dennis or excuse me fat Mac was you know still the right, focus so, of that so, season so there so there is like background serialization going on like yes these characters are dealing with getting older and still being uh terrible people and 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 that is that's great i'm hard on it because i liked it so much it's there's still good stuff there and i you know i, I appreciate that i mean you know this team still wants to make the show they still seem to they still seem to be yeah. having fun yeah yeah and it's always sunny in philadelphia also has some of the best uh gag reels if you ever like if you're you, bored you and that bonus yeah the bonus they're stuff. so good the season three i think it's season three gag reel of it's always sunny and Philadelphia. it's legendary it is i don't I, is, that, is that a how i met your mother thing it's legend legendary it's ruined it right. seven number seven fargo yeah i mean <laughs> fargo is fargo good it's good tv yeah both both seasons so far I, the, the, well, the pressure is on for season three, right? You know, if they Fargo can is so good, it can withstand uh, a bad an season. Aliens angle, <laughs> an aliens angle. Yeah, they well, just had like a, the UFO. Yeah. Um, you know what? I was thinking about Fargo. It's kind of like being the guy who wrote Hamilton. Like he, he's soaking up all the buzz right now. You know, he's the hottest, you know, creative dude. Uh, what is he going to do next? Right. There's so much pressure on him to follow up Hamilton. He's not going to do another music. I mean, is he going to do another musical? Or is he going to just, it's going to say, fuck it. I'm just going to get as far away from this as I can and oh, do it something. Does he want to be Andrew Lloyd Webber or does he want to do something else? Okay. Number six, Terriers. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think, I think we were the only two people who watched Terriers. Me and you. And then anybody I forced told to watch Terriers. I didn't, I remember, uh, I don't want to say freaking out, but we were, we discussed uh, we discussed vibrantly <laughs> that that ending where uh, Donald Lurk's sister crawls out of the the ceiling in the back. Uh, that's a good. Uh, that, was, that was a good ending. It was. I I don't I, I don't know why that got the reaction out of me. It did, but it it, it it's still vividly one of my favorite TV things. I don't even know. It, it stuck with me. I don't know. And it's such a stupid thing. I think I wonder why doesn't FX just re-air it? Like, what do they have to lose, you know? I mean, is it on Netflix? Is it floating around on streaming? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think maybe on Amazon Prime. But, like, wh why don't they just re-promote it? <laughs> you know, I, it, whenever anybody says they watch TV, it's funny. We've already, well, we've at this point hit two of them. I ask if they're, you know... They say they they love TV, and you ask what they like, and then you go, all right. Well, what do you think of? I always kind of use the riches and terriers as 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 baselines to to see how to just see how deep they touch, because especially there's there's some time in between some of these. Terriers isn't quite as old as the riches is, but they're nice baselines to know kind of where those those people are coming from. Yeah, I don't know why they don't just rerun. You know, like I feel like you know this is we discuss the song of the summer every year, right? 
And why doesn't the recording industry just like reach back into the 70s or 80s and just pick out a few songs and just like put them in heavy rotation on the radio and just artificially revitalize uh, them? Yeah, revitalize them as a song of the summer. Um, you could do that with Terriers. Like Terriers would work. Yeah, Terriers in the summer, you have the tyrant and the strain. Okay. And then you just push Terriers. Like it's a back. It's the same show, you know. It was if you gem. haven't seen it, it's new to you, right? Exactly. Mess, mess you go. Number five, Justified. All right. I think this is pretty, this is pretty, this is pretty fitting. Um, you know, you have to account for the Michael Rappaport season, Ugh. which I didn't think was that bad. It, it's a small, it's a it's a chink in its armor for sure. I mean, what, what, what else is there to say about Justified? They've listened to the TV episodes before. I've, I've, I've expressed my Justified love, so. Number four, American Crime Story, The People vs. O.J. Simpson. This is... Uh, Heat seeker. Yeah, recency right bias. In, yeah, right into number four. And I would not dispute this either. Were you surprised how much you enjoyed it? Or were you hoping no, I, you would I, enjoy I, I it? I've always going to watch it because. Oh, well, I know you're going to watch I'm, it. I'm, I'm, I am a Ryan Murphy loyalist. But yeah, it, it, moved as, it moved at a pace that Ryan Murphy doesn't usually pace his shows at. It has the exact opposite effect of American Horror Story, where this just obviously felt complete because it's a real story. It was, it was cracking. Yes. Uh, where Ryan Murphy shows can feel like a slog. They can feel very glacially paced. And I'm curious to see how the Emmys are going to shake out with Fargo season two and uh, this show competing in the same categories. FX, uh, you know, firing on all cylinders this season. Yeah. I mean, everyone thought, oh, Bokeem Woodbine is going to win for Fargo. And and then this, this happens and you've this got... Ha- this happens, yeah. Well, I mean... I think uh, uh, what is his name? Courtney B. Vance is a lead, and then and so Bokeem might be, be uh, supporting. Uh, Bokeem supporting against uh, David Schwimmer. Well, yeah, Sterling K. Brown. Lane. Sterling K. Brown could Sterling be supporting. Sterling K. Brown, right, yeah. yeah. Oh, just cannibalizing yourself. It's not a bad problem for a network to have. The, but OJ is def- OJ was like a cultural event, and OJ is going to win. Over Fargo. Number three, Louis. I might put a little lower. I could fit that behind Justified and just bump these ne- the, the other two up. The, the problem with Louis, you have to remember that six episode was an elevator arc. Mm-hmm. That was just, whoa, maybe like four episodes too long. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the, but, all, but also that goes towards what I do like about Louis a lot, which is, I mean, this is a single, this is a single vision. Yeah, it's a single execution. It's it's with the freedom to do so, and so, I, I mean, can appreciate that. You're yeah. never gonna hit. You're never gonna hit it all the time. I mean, there's no denying ambition, and you yeah. know I respect it. It's uh, it just doesn't always it, work. like 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 with American Horror Story. Sometimes you just run out of or Archer. Sometimes you just like you're just gassed for ideas. Right? It seems to me that he's obviously not into it right now so there's no new louis and there may never be anymore and there may be there will be it's a curb situation yeah if you're you're welcome back to it when you have the desire to it and, and that's fu- and that's fine i guess if louis, you got, is gonna make more episodes because he he's, he's in he's in the red <laughs> well, when you go and finance self-finance horace and pete and no one watches it then you, you might have to come back to it but i mean take your time i mean he's he's got stuff for another season Regardless, I guarantee it. But when that comes to light, I guess we'll have to see. All right, number two, the Americans. Yeah, seems high. 
I think it's top 10. I might not put it number two. You're obviously, you're a bigger fan of the Americans than I am. Yeah, and um, uh, what, what I appreciate about the Americans is its um, willingness to move forward, right? A, a lot of times television shows will, well, we talk about Clay on Sons of Anarchy and maybe he stuck around too long. Mm. Same thing with Nina on the Americans, right? But at the same time, the Americans is willing to pull the trigger on, you know, Paige learning that is, her parents are Soviet spies. And this is something that um, like a walking or some other show, a lesser show would just like delay, delay, delay. And, and, and it may never even get around to. Right. And then, and, and then but, but the Americans is just, it's just powering forward, right? Uh, we're we're going to reveal all our secrets and go and from there. Yeah, and yeah, go from yeah, there. Yeah. I can appreciate it. And everybody's really and, good. And, and I wonder if they do this because no one is watching the show, right? They have they have the luxury to do this where like um you know, Dexter can't die on Dexter because it's it's too popular, right? Or, you know, Daryl will never die on The Walking Dead. Well, and and there's a finite story to be told here because there was only one more season after this current one correct yes so the uh, americans is fx's lost leader we're just gonna yeah you know, we'll make up the money we lose on the americans with oj <laughs> and i think over time this is a discoverable show people will get into this much after the fact and get the value from it that is not being paid to it on tv currently and number one unsurprisingly it's the shield so uh the shield is a show that put fx on the map and the shield is notable for breaking the 10 p.m shit barrier I, before the shield Cop uh, show. Shit. cable network cable networks were hesitant to say shit on television mm-hmm. and now like south park does it tn like tbs tnt Every network will let shit fly after 10 p.m. Fuck is, you know. Well, we did get that nice motherfucker from yeah. OJ. They let a lot of stuff fly in OJ. But uh, the, the, the shield broke that ground. And I'll be honest, I didn't start watching until the Forrest Whitaker season, which is, I think, four or five. Mm-hmm. You know, my friend told me, oh, you got to watch the shield. So I tuned in. And I think I think the Forrest Whitaker season, I think it's four. Might, might have been five. And even having not seen the first three seasons, you have seen the first three. No, seasons. no, I haven't. You haven't? No, uh, I haven't seen the first season of Lost because people told me, "Oh, you gotta watch Lost," and it just started in season two. The first episode of Lost is the only reason I ever without first season. The first episode of Lost is is great, and that's you haven't even seen that. You're insane. So I just sort of pieced together the first season. Like, who is this Boone guy, right? <laughs> uh, but then for, for The Shield, like, oh, oh, so I just pieced it together. And even having not seen the first three seasons, it's it's fabulous. Like, just like the, the last you know, five five or so seasons. Mm-hmm. And that that's and it's atypical for a television show, you know. Shows don't tend to get better uh, in later seasons and where The Shield did. I mean, that... Ever ever since the episode where uh, Shane blows up Lem, mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, that was that was like a, a Carver moment. That was a, yeah, that was big. Yeah, that was a big moment. And 
I was like, it was like a, it was one of the few holy shit moments where you're, you're watching television and you can't believe what just happened. And then everything that ensued from that is just. Well, um, not only that one holy shit moment blew up the whole show, like literally. Right, right. Like it, it just be, shit hit the fan There was like a cloud there. looming through and they delayed it and they delayed it. And that one episode where uh, Shane is found out and he tr- flees the police department is just like breathless. Mm-hmm. It's breathless television and it's the best thing Kurt Sutter has ever written. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you you just recently watched The Shield, right? Uh, I, I finally dove into The Shield. It would, it's been two years now. Was it like a, like a Netflix thing where one episode ends in you? Oh, that's another thing about The Shield. The the way it opened episodes by alternating between footage and credits, that that was um, sure yeah cool. And then I th- I don't think any show uh, ended. Oh, I don't want to say I don't think any show, but the way the Shield ended episodes, I mean it's just perfect. Ever you know they they know how to end an episode of a television show. There's always a moment or something that just left you wanting more. And it's built outside of the streaming era. Yeah. completely but it's to- it's you know totally primed for streaming because you watch the you know one episode ends and you have to see what happens oh, in the- and so. and I that's how I blew through it I Amazon primed it and I mean and, and I cooked through it and you think I was about engaged. the the Lem death episode and when Michael Chiklis goes you know I'm gonna kill the person who did this and that's how the season ends and, and you're freaking out or where you know Vic has a breakdown in the hospital and you just like you know trashes the hospital room and that's how the episode ends right chill is great yeah, even so even if you don't get widescreen and it and it kind of it kind of makes it feel a little dated it was still it was still a very satisfactory watch finally and I, do it. I feel like the shield doesn't get it to do like it's overshadowed by the wire unfortunately well and there's there's a lot of a and lot then, of lineage and then, and then to the things The Shield that is also a show where you can't really recommend it to someone because there's too many seasons. But it is you a just lot. have to like tell them to trust the process because they just got to get to that episode at end of season five or season six. It's a long way to get there, but it's you appreciate it. It's it was it was completely worth it. I've n- I never I never was pissed ever watching it. I'm so glad I I did got around to it. So, is that is that really just forty one? Original FX series. Hmm. So you know, I I I discussed um, FX passing on The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. FX also passed on Breaking Bad mm-hmm. because they felt they had already had enough male antiheroes on their network, and they didn't need another one. FX basically created the monster that is AMC. Right? We don't want The Walking Dead. We don't want Breaking Bad. FX and HBO. HBO passed a madman. Mm-hmm. And you, you figure like HBO and FX are commiserating like, who is this network stealing our thunder? Um, it's just a matter of we need oh, some, we need prestige series. We're just going to say yes we, to all these things. What have we created? You know, the mm-hmm. monster that we've created. Outside of The Walking Dead, it's still a bit of a struggle over there. Just a little bit. So I'm looking at this poll. They have a poll at the end of the list. What is, what are what is your favorite FX show? And <clears throat> 22 votes for the strain. <laughs> okay. 
Um, the top vote getter is Justified Archer. Has 150. Oh, Justified. Yep. And then Archer. Uh, Justified is 150. Archer is 120. And the Americans is 104. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, OJ's only got 31, which, okay. It's shocking the amount of good TV that FX actually has and it's, had. It's interesting seeing it all just like compressed in it, one that's, that, yeah, I don't think of it like we just went through it. All right, that's it for this episode. You can find me elsewhere on adamriff.com and on Twitter at adamriffs with an S at the end. And you can find me on Twitter at zombieologist. And you can also email us at backwashaudio at gmail.com. And we'll see you in the next one. Oh, say can you see and the rockets red flag. Uh-oh. I'll make up for it now. For the land of the free.